Okay. All right. Welcome to the first ever Off Grid Pros podcast. Yay. We did it. Yay. Yep, we've only been sitting here for about 45 minutes figuring out how to actually start, um, so it's been productive. My name is Jonathan. Uh, who else do we have here? We have Ryan, hey. um, the important <laughs> Ryan. Are you here? Yep, there's the... And then we've got the me. unimportant Ryan. Yeah, who is that? Nailey. Ryan. Yep. Um, yep, Ryan Kennelly. Who? Uh, let's figure out first... Oh, what we're referring to since we have two Ryan's here of a three person company. What, what do you want to go? going to refer to me as Kennelly or, or the Kennelly. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sticking to Kennelly. <laughs> so the, we've got Ryan and then we've got Kennelly. Um, okay, perfect. So again, this is the off grid pros podcast. So, we're going to talk a little bit um, today about batteries, basically battery chemistry, how you want to use your batteries, maybe how to size a battery bank, all that kind of good stuff, just to get a little um, introduction to batteries if you're going off-grid or, or want to do some, um, some work for your, your RV. But first we want to kind of go over some qualifications just so you know that we're not just three random people talking about something we don't know about. First off me, I'm the least experienced in batteries. So that's why I will lead the conversation and let the other people who know more about it speak on the topic. Again, my name is Jonathan. I have, uh, I've been working in solar for how long has it been now? Two or three, three, three years, three years. Seven, yeah, it's set three years next month. Um, I just got my two-year um, certificate from Ryan a couple months ago. He missed it by about <laughs> 10 months, um, so that's cool. Lucky you got one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, so now I've got uh, year three coming up next month, um, so it better be like a giant <laughs> certificate made of gold. But anyways, I am the director of marketing for our other business called Prometheus Solar in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, and Ryan is actually the owner or majority owner of that company. And then Keneally <laughs> is the youngest of us all. Um, he's only been over with Prometheus a little over for, a year. I, what? Yeah, I, I, I got the job there mostly because Ryan couldn't find who he really wanted. So he settled on me because I'm fun to hang out with. <laughs> well, it's at least the first part we know for sure. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, so I have a degree in marketing from Northern Arizona University. And so then I got hired at Prometheus to um, do the marketing for Prometheus as well as plug and play solar. Um, that's kind of our little DBA there. Um, selling solar kits, but Prometheus does installations of both grid-tied and off-grid um, all over northern Arizona, so pretty much anything north of, of Phoenix. So that's a little bit about me. I've been selling all this, the solar kits and stuff um, through plug-and-play um, all over the United States where we sell you know, solar batteries, even uh, cooking-type solar stuff, so 
that's kind of my experience. Let's kick it over to Kennelly. Want to tell us yeah, a little bit about so, so I work uh, for yourself? A, a pretty large battery distribution company, uh, wholesale primarily. And I, I met Ryan Holtz, the owner of Prometheus Solar, because I sold his his batteries to him for many years, about four years, and um, always got a always got a good vibe from him and everybody that worked at Prometheus and everybody that worked for him spoke very highly of him behind his back. So that's always a good sign. So uh, when I, when I, when I saw, when I saw that he was hiring for a position, I wasn't qualified for, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him for that job. That's for me. And uh, so I did. He, um, he waited a month or so and then he eventually settled on me. My, my official title, uh, my official title at, at Prometheus Solar is is project manager at, at Off Grid Pros. This new company, I am, I'm the chief financial officer. Primarily, will be handling the corporate finances. Um, I also do a bit of um, business development. So that's how Jonathan and I uh, got to know each other really well. We 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 kind of tag that back and forth. So, um, in addition to that, uh, some of my background, I'm a, I'm a veteran. I was in the army for six years. Um, and then, uh, I have, uh, I have an associate's degree in, um, in, uh, computer science. And then I have a bachelor's in criminology and then I'm just about to finish up a master's in business administration. So, uh, that's, that's my background. That's what I have to offer. Mostly what I offer Prometheus at, and, and off-grid pros is just funny things. I don't you say funny stuff. Yeah. Most, most of the actual <laughs> business stuff I do goes way unnoticed. And I thought you were going to say that your title was. No, I like to, I like guy. to, I like to pretend that I have real titles in, in, in real life. But most, mostly what I do in, in my day, just day-to-day activity is try to make myself sound really cool. That's <laughs> right, when, I, when I meet people, I just want to have something impressive yeah, to the say. The amount of times, <laughs> just a, the amount of times he says, "I'm trying to do stuff for off-grid pros, but I have this freaking day job that I have to deal with." <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, uh, I, I spend most of my day texting Jonathan Mills here. Um, some of it's <laughs> some of it's work, last name. Some of it's work related. Let's. <laughs> Oh, also, also, I'm the um, chief. Is it operations chief, or operating? Chief oper- operations I think it's operations officer. No, whatever. COO. I don't know. That's my title. Something like that. I'm re- yeah. I'm COO. Whatever that means. So yeah, let's kick it over to the wallet of the company, also known as the CEO, Ryan Holtz, oh, um, owner of many companies. We're in trouble. <laughs> he's the credit, he's the credit I mean, card. He's the he, credit card. He bought this mic. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a really nice mic that I'm working with. Um, Yeti, if you want to sponsor us, um, this is our first ever episode. We're killing it. Um, and yeah, So, yeah, yeah thanks for welcome. the microphone. Um, so, yeah, I've um, uh, been doing uh, solar stuff uh i'd say since 2006 um i have a uh, mechanical engineering degree and i was uh, i spent five years in the air force and kind of got interested in solar because i was 
processing GPS satellites um, at the time, and and solar was a big part of that, as as you know. And so we, um, you know, when I was getting out of the Air Force, I was just looking for something new and challenging to get into and decided that uh, solar would be uh, a good thing. So um, moved to Flagstaff, uh, worked for another solar company, and then uh, decided to start the company, um, you know, with a, a business partner and um, have been doing it ever since. And uh, we do, you know, Prometheus, we do uh, all types of solar and, and we'll do solar in the absolute middle of nowhere where you're driving down a dirt road for, you know, an hour or two hours uh, in some cases. And so we've got been able to get a lot of experience in different types of, of systems and system sizes and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, pretty much it. Yeah. The amount of customers that I speak to on like, it's a first time they're, they're calling us and they say, I want to get, uh, some, some solar out here. And I'll say, okay, where do you live? What, like, what's your address? They say, I don't have an address. I'm like, okay, uh, let's, you have like a general area. And they're like, uh, you're just going to have to, you know, search for about half an hour on Google Maps. Or, or you'll get the, the uh, dirt. on like, this okay. road, uh, about three miles past mile marker. Yeah. And there's a big, <laughs> there's there's a big, big rock. Blue rock. Sometimes <laughs> it looks red. Sometimes it's not even there. And, <laughs> and then once you find Jimmy's hitching post, I'm about 45 minutes south of that. <laughs> Yeah. The amount of those calls is just wild. I had no idea until I, mm-hmm. until I started working for Prometheus. And it's like people actually like that's the purpose of this is just like to help those types of of customers. So. So, yeah, so that's a little bit about us. We I had this idea uh, maybe a few months ago. And I said. So like I like I said earlier, I I I um I'm in charge of selling our solar kits. Um, so you know like really small systems where you you know like two to five hundred watts of solar to customers all over the United States, um, and a lot of people uh are trying to fit systems together. They'll buy, they'll buy random parts from random different companies, um, and the big issue is that they don't know how to put it all together. So uh, a few months ago, I had the idea that I wanted to basically start something to put everything in one place, try to make things as easy as possible. And part of that was to start this, this podcast just to kind of talk about all these different topics, not just to create a, a website that sold all of the products that you would need to go off grid, but also talk about how to use them and information about them. So you're not just buying something that you don't know anything about. So with that being said, our website that we are starting is shopoffgrid.com. And shopoffgrid.com is basically going to be a one-stop shop for you to find everything that you need to go off grid. That's the idea. Um, So getting started, we probably won't have every single thing that you're going to need, but we're going to have, we're going to have a good amount of stuff. So something like solar panels, inverters, batteries, charge controllers, all that kind of stuff. We're also going to be working in 
trying to get things like brands of different coolers that you can buy, um, refrigerators that are, are um, good for off-grid use, all that kind of stuff. Just trying to make it as, as easy as possible, whether you're going off-grid permanently to live or you just want to you know, adventure off the grid for a little bit. So that includes RV equipment as well. So yeah, I was going to, I was going to interject there. I wanted to to say it's a little bit important to note, like what off grid is. I was explaining to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago about this new company that we're starting and, and her response was what, what does off grid mean? Um, You know, it's a common term for us, Mm -hmm. but uh, just to clarify the the grid is your power grid. Um, So anywhere where you can um, just flip on the lights and you're getting power from, from your local electric company. Uh, so the, the the idea behind this is, is mm-hmm. off grid means just not being able to plug into a local power source. You have to either create your own grid uh, via batteries and solar panels, or or maybe you're just camping. You know that that's that's off grid. You're going off grid you know, for a couple of days. There's there's a bunch of different products out there to help you uh, to facilitate that that adventure. So I wanted to interject that a little bit. Yeah, and. Yeah, and I, I think some of the confusion that I, I sometimes hear from customers as well is um, if I get solar, no matter what, does that mean that I'm off off the grid? And the answer is no. So like we said earlier, we do grid-tied and off-grid. So when you're doing off-grid, that means you could have been connected to, the, to um, some kind of utility prior and then you're disconnecting. Or you're living in a, in a place that never had any kind of electricity and you're you're setting it up for the first time. But if you're doing a grid-tied solar array, then that means you're you're still connected to the grid. So even if your power does go out, um, even if your, your solar does go out, you still have um, power that's going to kick on from the grid. But we can probably talk about that a little bit more in, in another another episode. But yeah, so that's kind of the idea of this, this whole company, Off Grid Pros, is, is to kind of create a one-stop shop for, for everybody to find everything they, they might need, whether it's permanently off-grid or, or just a, a weekend adventure. So we're going to jump into our first segment here. Uh, this is our quick facts segment. I'm sure this will probably change several times um, as we kind of make our way through the podcasting world. We've got a couple of, of facts here for you guys. The first one is Volta discovered in 1800 that certain fluids would generate a continuous flow of electro, electrical power when used as a conductor. This discovery led to the invention of the first voltaic cell, more commonly known as a battery. So again, our topic for today is batteries for you guys um, to be using for off the grid use. So that's kind of uh, how long batteries, uh, roughly batteries have been around. So a little over 200 years. Our second one is according to home power magazine, at least 180,000 families are living off the grid in the U S and of course that number increases every year that that number is from 2017. So I'm sure it's a little bit more. My question to you guys is how would they know that these people are off the grid if they're off the grid. That's an interesting question. There's uh, some, some food, some food for thought Mostly because there. they call uh, our other company a lot, probably. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, so we're reporting. It's our fault. Sorry. Is we're, there a census? Do they, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I've ever filled out this. I, I don't yeah, know. That's interesting. I don't know how I, they got that number. I, yeah. I don't mean. Thank you. I don't, that was my I, thought. I, I've never filled out a census. I don't think I've ever done that. But if I, <laughs> that's one of those <laughs> things I see in the mail. I'm just like throw it away. But um, so I'm really doing my, my part to help. <laughs> 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 really building your credibility. Yeah, I, think that's a Ryan I, I question. That. I don't know. Where do you? Where do you I, think, I mean, yeah? that, I don't know. I don't know that. Yeah, tell I mean, us the you answer. Have Ryan. To just, um, you know, look at households and you, you know, the utilities know which households are served and which aren't. Um, I think that, you know, like here in Arizona, APS, um, Arizona Public Service would would know that number um because they um we know how many households there are and we know how many APS are, is serving and the other and you basically subtract subtract the two so 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 if you buy some land in the middle of nowhere and you and it's got no utility near it and you build a house do you still have to build that house up to code with what your city is or, or what area you're technically you so connected most, to? Um, you know, most it's going to be, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're going to be in a, a county jurisdiction. And um, I, I guess I can't speak to mm-hmm. every county in the United States, but at least in Arizona, um, you technically do need to build to county standards um and have permits for everything but um, that's probably how they know that that is not typically the case you know there we have lots of off-grid customers who do get permits for their systems and and for their homes but there is a large portion of them that do not do anything you know they they want to be off-grid for a reason and so yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of them seem to uh, wow. like the appeal is is to to have as little known about their whereabouts uh, is kind of the kind of the thing. I, some of that market would be called the preppers, for example. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys know the answer to that question, feel free to comment or send us an email at offgridpros at gmail We'd love to know your thoughts on that. Okay, now we've got our first myth out of the way. Let's jump into the actual topic of the episode. That is batteries. I'll put a little applause background sound on that. (laughs) All right, so again, Ryan has a lot of experience installing off-grid solar arrays. Keneally came from working with batteries as his career and is continuing to work with batteries, whether or not he likes it. And so both of these guys should have a good amount of answers. And so I'm going to leave most of the conversation up to them. So first off, what are people's options for batteries? And either of you can just jump on in. the, the, The big three are flooded lead acid AGM and lithium. Those are the main, the main three. Um, and just to, to kick it off a little bit, lead acid, flooded lead acid is your basic from day one 
battery chemistry. Um, and, you know, it involves watering the batteries. It requires some maintenance. They don't typically last quite as long. AGM. So what, what do you, I'm sorry to cut you off. What do you so mean by, by you watering the either, batteries? Either electrolyte or just distilled water inside the battery cells. If you're using these batteries, you should maintain them roughly monthly. Um, they, they're they're on the, the okay. less expensive side for, for people in trying to live off grid or just doing, you know, in your RV, for example, is a, is a really common place. You'll see these. Um, they do let off gas. So you don't want them in the area that you're going to be living in, for example. You want them either outside or under some place that they can be, be vented. Um, another, another offset of that technology or that chemistry rather would be AGM batteries. And that stands for absorbent glass mat. Uh, it's essentially, it's, it's a, it's a lead acid battery at its core, but it, it is, it is, it's, it uses instead of just straight lead plates, it uses, uh, what's called absorbent glass mat and they're sealed. So you don't need to, don't need to water them. They're much heavier. Um, however, if you need your batteries in the place that you're living, that's probably the one that you're you're going to want. Um, and then on the much higher end of the spectrum, as far as money goes, it's going to be lithium. Lithium batteries are lightweight. You don't. They're maintenance free. You don't have to mess with them. Um, they they don't necessarily last longer. They can, um, but they, they, they die in a different sense. Like when you have a, a lead acid or AGM battery, you'll, you'll know when they're starting to lose their, lose their life, their lifespan ends kind of in a slow downward slope. Lithium tends to just kind of end one day, not, you know, in one day, but you'll, it, it's a stark difference between a uh, lead acid battery going bad versus a uh, lithium battery. Yeah, so you were talking a little bit about the, the weight of the batteries. Um, so uh, when we kind of size batteries or, or look at different sizes of batteries, I mean, so like a small, a smaller battery, it's like RV batteries that I usually sell through like plug and play. It's going to be something like, like a hundred amp hour battery. And the weight of that for an AGM is going to be like 65 pounds or so. Is that like pretty standard for for batteries that aren't lithium, or is it does it kind of vary? Um, Let me, you want to take that one, Ryan? So I mean, lithium just in general is is going to be much less weight, um, and and when you're talking about AGM or flooded or um, or gel lead acid batteries, they're all going to be similar weight for their capacity. Um, so, you know, an AGM, mm -hmm. same capacity as, uh, a flooded battery, uh, is going to weigh about the same. And I would say it, lithium batteries are going to be 
typically less than half the weight and they are also going to take up less space um, for the uh, for the amount of energy um, their lithium is going to be a much more energy dense technology so um, if, if you are concerned with space and weight savings um, and you may be in, in an RV situation um, you know lithium might be a good option for you but but as uh, Keneally was saying lithium is a much higher cost of entry um, but you know compared with a traditional uh, flooded or or AGM battery um, the like a standard lithium iron phosphate battery would um, would have quite a bit more lifespan than a traditional lead acid. So, yeah, um, and so I guess are there are there different options for lithium batteries? So, I, like, uh, what would is there a difference between like a lithium ion, lithium iron phosphate, um, or is that exactly so, the same? Is that What's what's because yeah, so generally there, um, we just say lithium. So lithium ion is just kind of a standard term for any sort of lithium chemistry, right? So there's like roughly six um, different types of lithium batteries, uh, battery chem chemistries, um, and the most common um, that you're going to see in like an off grid environment with stationary power is going to be um, uh, lithium iron phosphate. And then uh, something like the Tesla Powerwall is going to have a lithium nickel manganese cobalt. Um, those are the two that you're going to see most commonly. And that's, be and that's because they are the safest chemistries. And they're not necessarily the most energy dense, um, but which in a lot of off-grid uh, applications, stationary applications, you know, space is usually not a major issue, um, but safety is, like safety and longevity. So you want to look at um, those two chemistries. Um, one of the other common ones is that like Tesla uses in their vehicles would be the lithium nickel cobalt aluminum. And that's just because it's um, a little lighter weight, a little more compact and has a you know for a vehicle it's a better chemistry for that so so safety safety and lightweight are, are yeah. two two good talking points i think um speaking of safety just to uh further that conversation you're talking about when they potentially could catch on fire right like when you when a lithium battery catches on fire you can't you can't put it out with water right Correct. Yes. What do you What do you need to to put that out? It, would a fire extinguisher work, or how do you T time time? I mean, yeah, I you know it's like thermal runaway is the the big problem, and so if a lithium battery gets punctured, um, and you know if it's not if it's being charged and it and its battery management system isn't working properly. Uh, and gets overcharged, it just can overheat and just catch on fire. And, and um, you know, I think uh, fire departments are trying to be more prepared for these kind of things. But uh, for a lot of it, as far as I know, 
you, you basically just have to wait until it's okay. done. Um, you know, you're, you're definitely not going to, there, there might be certain fire extinguishers that are going to, going to do a better job than, than others, but I, I'm not sure what that, what that looks like. Okay. The, the other side of that coin is, is the, the lightweight. Yeah. Um, that's, that's probably the main reason. I mean, we can maybe get Elon Musk on, on this podcast at some point, but yeah, he'll be on. He'll be on um, in just three gonna, weeks. Just, I scheduled him. Yeah. So we're cool. We've been be talking to Tesla. So I'll just episode. text him and be like, "Hey, bro, let's." <laughs> you were on. You were yeah. on Joe Rogan. Shit, yeah. come just on, so you guys. Yeah, just so you guys know. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we Prometheus, our our other business. It we're uh, in the middle but, uh, of our onboarding process. We are with, with Tesla. So we're gonna. So once we uh, once we become experts in it, uh, we're gonna cover. We're gonna have a whole episode dedicated to the the Tesla Powerwall, so we can kind of talk about the off grid options of that. See if that's and, yeah. So that that that's gonna be a fun episode. I'm excited for that. Um, but for for this episode, let's. Uh, I'm gonna continue guessing, and I'm gonna get. I'm gonna guess that the reason Elon Musk or the engineers that work at Tesla, part of the reason they chose lithium. Uh, for their vehicles is because it's lightweight. Um, it's, it is much lighter than any other battery chemistry out there. Uh, it makes it great for, it, it's good. It's good in RVs for a couple different reasons. Cause it's lightweight and you can have it inside of the cabin that you're living in if it need be. But um, it's, it's perfect in a golf cart. If the budget allows a golf cart, having lithium batteries is like the perfect scenario because you're not tugging around a bunch of lead acid batteries. So it's in, that's, that's probably one of the, one of the main points to note with lithium is like, it is substantially lighter than other battery chemistries. Um, there's a lot of, there's, yeah. there's a lot of guesswork out there on, on whether lithium is going to become less expensive because it's definitely, definitely more expensive than the other battery chemistries. My personal take on that is I don't think so. It's a very finite resource. Uh, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the market does here, here in the next few years. Yeah. Just for a reference for, for the listeners um, earlier, I said it was a, uh, for an example of a hundred amp hour AGM battery was, was 65 pounds. So it's at 63.9 is the one I was looking at. And then I have for comparison, a 100 amp hour lithium. And the weight of that is 26 pounds. So quite, quite a bit. And of that, that means a lot in weight working off grid, um, on the battery swaps that I've done, you know, for the installation company. Um, it, it is so much easier to swap out, a lead acid bank for some lithium. Like it's, it's the labor involved, especially if you're using industrial batteries, like uh, forklift batteries, for example, you need at least a couple people and you got to, I know I've done it with Ryan a few times. You, you've got to roll them around on steel pipe just to get them in there. And it, it takes, it takes hours. They weigh like 2000 pounds. Oh, yeah. Oh, those forklift batteries we did that one yeah, time. Oh my God. That's why I don't, that's why I got a degree in business. So I wouldn't have to do the manual labor <laughs> stuff, but working at Prometheus, yeah. they said, don't care. You're going to lift this 5,000 pound battery. Yeah, by yourself. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, 
<laughs> and I said, never again. Uh, <laughs> but this stack, is my week notice. I'm stacking up degrees. I'm about to finish degree number three. And, and I, last Monday, was, was, was swapping out a battery bank <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we had one of those situations where we were talking about not arcing batteries. And the person I was swapping them with arced a battery. So <laughs> Ryan and I were swapping one out about a month ago and we were talking about how safe we are when I, when I definitely arced a battery on some conduit and it caused a small explosion. <laughs> it was like, it was like 4th of July there for a second. I, the, the credibility that is being um, built is just, it's, it's great. I really like that part about this. Um, just let customers know <laughs> That we, yeah. we're, well, we're, if you've been working with experts. batteries for any length of time, like arcing is just inevitable. So, like, mm. you know, I, I, you can take as many precautions as you, you know, as you can, but it's just, it just happens. So, you, you yeah, are you going to, to get electrocuted. Out. Like, it's, gonna, it's going to happen. You will get electrocuted at some point. And if you're really lucky, like I was, you'll have one just blow up on you. Just straight up boom right up next to you that was fun <laughs> so so say somebody is being electrocuted right in front of your eyes what do you do no you run you do just you, run away you grab them they, yeah and, you just run away and hope they're fine or you just gotta say no look, you uh um, realistically what cool. you should do um it is grab them and, and pull them away from from what is electrocuting them so I, what I would say in hmm. reference to batteries, like electrocuted technically means you like get killed from electricity. If you, you're going to get shocked. Um, most of these systems, you're, you're talking very low voltage, um, you know, 48 volt systems. Some of the lithium batteries have higher voltages. Um, those you definitely need to be much more careful with, but for most homeowners, it's going to be pretty low voltage. So, um, you know, you can touch the terminals and all that and, and typically not have to worry about anything. Um, but you know, you might get shocked, you might get a little tingly, but you're not gonna, you know, right. Yeah. That's not, good. You're not going to get it. It is good to clarify that. Yeah. When I, when I say electrocuted, I mean like, <laughs> you'll know it's gonna, it's gonna vibrate your whole arm and you'll be like, Oh, okay. That probably shouldn't be touching that. Uh, or, or if you, you know, you connect the wrong terminals, you'll, you'll definitely see a little bit of a shock that yeah. the, the battery, that. the batteries will let you know that that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, so like you said, you, uh, like sizing of, of, of batteries and systems, how, how should somebody go about doing that? Because, you know, like these smaller inverters that 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 we'll have like on the website are going to be like 12 volt inverters so how should somebody go about or uh, yeah 12 volt inverters how should somebody go about sizing their system and and how how should they kind of figure well, that out um one of the easiest things to do is to just go online and, and fill out what's called a load sheet um, and basically you list all of the, the different appliances, uh, you know, electrical devices that you want to use. Um, you know, you fill in what, you know, how many watts it uses, what you kind of predict as the number of 
hours a day you might be using something. Um, and, and ultimately, you're going to come up with um, a kilowatt hour uh, calculation on, you know, number of either watt hours or kilowatt hours that you're going to use on a daily basis. And then to figure out the amp hours, you just divide by the number, um, of, of volts, you know, so if you're going to have a 12 volt system, you divide by 12, it gives you the number of amp hours you're going to actually use on a daily basis. And so, um, one of the nice things that like lithium makes things a little bit simpler when it comes to sizing, because, all pretty much all of your lithium chemistries are going to be rated in kilowatt hours, not amp hours. And so it eliminates one of the steps there. Um, but it's really easy to turn a, you know, something that is rated in amp hours. If you just multiply it by its voltage, that's going to give you watt hours. And then if you divide that by a thousand, it gives you the number of kilowatt hours. So that's really the, the easiest thing to do. Um, one of the things that I would caution people with, uh, doing load sheets is they, they tend to want to overestimate what they're going to be using every day. And so their numbers, because mm -hmm. they want to make sure they're really conservative, right? Like the, I want to make sure that it's big enough. And the problem is that you're going to end up with a battery bank that is going to be double what you need, you know? Uh, so you, you want to take what you get with kind of a, a grain of salt. And, and I would recommend, you know, talking, talking through somebody who is knowledgeable, um, you know, about what, how you're intending to, to live and, you know, people like us who've got a lot of experience with this, we can, we can look at your situation and say, you know, I know you guessed, you know, through your load sheet, you're going to have, you're going to use 20 kilowatt hours a day, but you know, realistically most people in your situation are only going to use eight you know so i mean it's it's definitely doing the work on the calculations and then kind of talking with somebody who you know has some experience that that's that's a good that's a good uh thing to note too um kind of a blanket statement on that is like you can't you can't over solar but you can definitely over battery um, you can have an unnecessary amount of solar. Sure. But, but there's, there's no amount that if you oversize your solar array, your charge controller will stop when the batteries are at float charge or, you know, they're full, they don't need any more. So you're producing and it's not going anywhere. Sure. But if you have a smaller array and then a bigger battery bank, you're going to have trouble uh, charging that battery bank. So a lot of the, a lot of the, or some of the problems that we get, some of the calls that we get at our, at our, at Prometheus at our installation company is why, why, why is my battery bank, my battery bank shutting off by the, the power, the power's going out in the middle of the night. Why is that happening? And most of the time, or at least some of the time it's, it's, you're, you're not filling the tank. So it's almost like you're driving 10 miles and then you're putting, seven miles worth of gas in the bat in the in the tank and then and then you continue driving at some point you're going to run out of gas and it's the same thing with batteries it's like the solar if you have a couple cloudy days and uh your batteries aren't being fully charged after you know three four or five days they're just out of out of gas there's no there's no, no energy left in the tank um 
so so that that's important to note for for the people that are thinking like do i need to do i need to calculate exactly how much solar i need versus how many how many you know batteries i need no not not necessarily like you there's definitely a lot of calculation that that needs to to be involved there but you you can't oversize your solar to put it that way like you can oversize your battery bank yeah and that that's a that's one of the most common mistakes that that people make they they think if they can't get through yeah. the night um on their battery bank then i need more batteries and and that is and and most of the time it's that you're just not able to refill your batteries um regularly enough um so we see all the time these huge battery banks in a small amount of solar um and it just doesn't work you know your batteries just you're not charging them they're not going to have the longevity that they they really should so Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess uh, uh, one of the questions that we always get is, is like people putting like where, where they should put their batteries just because batteries for them to operate at their, their best, they need to be, they, they can't be overheating constantly. So how, how should people be keeping their batteries cool so that they're lasting longer and they're actually performing so at like the level? The, the that rule they of be? thumb with batteries, especially lithium, is batteries like to be the same temperature you are. Where if wherever you're comfortable, that's where they're most comfortable. It's unrealistic, especially in, in, in places like Arizona, to to think that you need to put like an air conditioner, say if you live off grid in southern Arizona, which would probably suck. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. sorry to sorry all the to, Tucson listeners sorry everything out there. south of Prescott <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah the, the, the blanket rule is that they, the batteries in general just like to be the same temperature you are they operate better when they they're right in about 70 degrees is it would be perfect but i know that's unrealistic in a lot of places to think that they're going to be that they they do have an optimum you know level that they're good up to 104 you know 20 degrees like i don't know i'm just making those numbers up but 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 ideally you want to try to keep them somewhat somewhat how how you would prefer uh so insulating uh, an equipment shed that your batteries are going to be in ventilating it is important. Um, I know I've seen some customers buy these little battery warmers that those little, like little heaters that keep them, keep them warm. Cause here in Northern Arizona, it gets pretty cold in the winter. So. So that, that the temperature is definitely going to affect the, the lifespan yeah, of the batteries, yeah. correct? Yeah. So, um, so especially with yeah. acid batteries, if um, they spend a lot of time at high temperatures, they're gonna their their lifespan is gonna be shortened. Um, so yeah, I mean they ideally they want to be like seventy seven degrees, um, and and the the issue with a cold lead acid battery is that um, the chemical reaction slows down inside and they hold less capacity, right? So um, we don't really see a lot of problems with batteries freezing, uh, lead acid batteries freezing, um, because generally 
Um, it's going to be mostly electrolyte, not all water in the battery. And so um, they, they don't have a high risk of that. Uh, but with, say, lithium batteries, they will not charge typically for most of them if they are less than uh, 32 degrees. Some of them can go a little bit lower, but that is something to consider um, that a lot of people don't when it comes to uh, choosing lead acid versus lithium. You know, if you're going to want to put these in an area where it's going to be below freezing a lot, um, lithium, you gotta, you're going to have to figure out how to keep them warmer. With uh, lead acid, you know, you lose a little yeah. capacity. It's not a huge deal. Um, you're not going to ruin the battery if it gets below freezing. Yeah. And can you guys talk a little bit about uh, how much of these batteries capacity you can actually use and how that affects lifespan um, of them? Yeah. So with lead acid batteries, the, the more that the more deeply you cycle them, the less lifespan you're going to have. And so the general rule with lead acid is that you want to shoot for about 50% um, depth of discharge. Now, um, let me let me interject here for a lot of people would think a 12 volt battery, 50 percent depth of discharge would be six volts. But that is absolutely not correct. Right. So you want to can you clarify what a 50 percent depth of discharge for, say, a 12 volt deep cycle L16 size battery would be in so, volts or amperage or whatever metric you want to use? So that's um. It's, I mean, that's actually a really tricky question, right? So yeah. um, in, in off-grid off -grid systems, a battery is either being charged or discharged uh, almost 100% of the time, right? So, but based on voltage, you know, like if you look at a battery voltage depth of discharge chart, it's going to it's going to want a battery that is at rest, um, meaning it's not being charged and it's not being discharged. And so in an off-grid system, you can hardly trust that. So um, with a battery that is at rest, you know, 12.7 volts would be full and, you know, 12.1 volts, 12, 12.0, 12.1 volts would be 50% depth of discharge. Um, and what I always tell people, if you're trying to go off of voltage, is that the most reliable time frame for trusting that would be about an hour or so after the sun goes down and when you have very minimal load in your house. That's when you can most you can trust that number the most. Is it going to be 100% accurate? No, because you're most likely you're going to have an inverter that's drawing constant power, even if you have everything off in the house. So, um, but that's, that's the general rule of thumb. Like if you're going to go by voltage, then you, you need to have the batteries at rest. And, and that's usually the only true, the true time you're going to be able to do that is at night when you have very little load. Um, so one of the things that you can do is get a battery monitor that actually is calculating amp hours in and amp hours out. Um, that can give you a, a little bit better idea of where you are percentage percentage wise. And that's, it's not a perfect, um, none of these battery monitors are perfect um, because they are basically making guesses at, as to the efficiency of your batteries. And so 
Um, it's very important with a battery monitor that your batteries get to a full charge on a very regular basis. Otherwise, if you don't get them to a full charge, that, that percentage full that you're going to see on a battery monitor is not going to be accurate. It's just over time, that's going to get less and less accurate. Yeah, I think that I think that's a key takeaway here is it, it can sound uh, counterintuitive to somebody if if they have, say, a 24 volt uh, battery bank, for example, um, a full if you're looking at voltage specifically full at 24 is not full. It It's probably more like 28, you know, or 27. Like that's a that's a full charge. Um, so that, that, that's, that's, I, I would say that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions is, is, uh, I had somebody call last week and, and, and then he was explaining to me that, uh, his batteries were at, at full charge. And so I had him test, uh, the specific six volt batteries in his bank that were series together. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, they're all at about, you know, 5.9. So that's gotta be a full, full charge. And, for a six volt battery for a six volt battery. No, that's dead. That's a dead battery. <laughs> so, um, and it turns out it, it, uh, ended up being a case where he was only filling his tank, uh, for seven miles when he was driving 10 every week. Cause it, 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 and that happens a lot. I, I think we could do a full series of podcasts just on battery voltage. Um, and charging cycles and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely confusing. Yeah. Cool. Be <laughs> on the lookout. For it's it, very yeah. difficult. Like it's very confusing. <laughs> There's multiple stages that the batteries are going to be, you know, charged at. And it's, and it's going to vary a lot between like lithium, lithium batteries versus lead acid batteries. And, um, you know, the type of system, the volt, you know, there's multiple, voltages that you could run a system off of so it, it's um you we can get a lot more in depth with that so. since 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 this is the battery yeah. episode though do, ryan do you want to just explain like the main levels that you might see like absorb float uh you know like just the the what what those mean yeah so um basically uh, there's there's three daily stages for um a, a, let's say for a lead acid battery um that i like a solar charge controller would go through so you're gonna wake up in the morning sun's gonna come out and you're gonna be in the bulk stage and that's basically the 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 solar charge controller is just dumping as much into the batteries as it possibly can in that stage it's whatever the solar can produce it's 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 putting into the batteries. Um, and eventually through the day, you're going to, the, the battery voltage will continue to rise through the day. And then it's going to get to what we call the absorb voltage. And for a, you know, typical lead acid battery, that's going to be somewhere between like 14.6 and 15 volts. And, um, in that stage, when you reach the absorb stage, you're generally 80 to 90% full on your batteries. Um, and so what your charge controller will do is it'll hold it at that voltage and will allow as many amps into the batteries as it can and to, and, and still maintain that voltage. Uh, so it's kind of like the top off at the end, right? So, um, 
you spend generally at least an hour to sometimes, you know, four or five hours in the absorb stage. And then finally the batteries are topped off at that point, And then you go to the float and float is just a trickle charge just meant to maintain the batteries at a full charge. Um, and, and that, that those are basically for, for even lithium batteries, you're going to see a solar charge controller go through, um, similar stages, but, um, that, that, that's, those are mainly for lead acid batteries, those three stages. So the, the last thing I want to kind of cover, um, of batteries is, is wiring them. So there's basically these two options of parallel versus series, um, in basic, basic terms, can you just kind of explain what the difference is between parallel versus series and how that affects? I'll the give you, I'll give the you the basics. Um, when you, when you series a battery, you're going from the, say the, the positive post of one battery to a negative post of the other battery. And then again, positive, negative, positive, negative. Uh, and then what, what you do there is you double the voltage every time. So if you have a, a six volt battery and, and, and you, and you connect it's positive to the other six volts negative, you now have a 12 volt battery bank. What's important to note there is that you only increase the voltage. You don't increase the amp hours. Um, so when you parallel two battery banks together, say, say you've seriesed two 12 volt battery banks or two 12 volt battery or two, excuse me, two, two six volt batteries. Uh, you now have a 12 volt battery bank and then another 12 volt battery bank. And then you can parallel those together, uh, connecting, uh, you know, positive to positive, And then you will now double the amperage of the bank. So you increase essentially the capacity that it is, it's able to perform at. Ryan could probably uh, expand on that a lot better. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's, you can do it better. Basically it. Yeah, I think the the important thing is that um, you know when you're when you're looking to get to like a forty eight volt si- system, you're going to have to to series several either six volt batteries or or twelve volt batteries to get up to that voltage. Um, and the thing, the thing about it is uh, a lot of people get confused that they, um, they're not actually increasing their capacity. You know, if they're connecting these things in series and they're still at 100 amp hours, that they're not actually increasing the capacity. And that's not the case because um, capacity is going to be your voltage times your amp hours, which give you, would give you watt hours. So, um, you can get the same amount of storage from, um, you know, let's say eight, uh, batteries in series as you can from eight batteries in parallel, you know, one's just going to be at a lower voltage with higher amp hours versus one that's a higher voltage, uh, yeah, whatever I whatever the opposite. What's more, is, what's more important? Is it voltage or amp hours? Uh, it's both. 
That's both. There's, there's not, I mean, voltage is just a, basically to get you to whatever your inverter uh, is operating at. And generally higher voltage inverters are going to be more efficient. And so um, that's, you know, could be a goal, you know, especially in larger systems, you might want a 48 volt system versus a 12, but in an RV, that's a fairly small system. 12 might be just fine. Um, but it, it really is just determining the number of watt hours you need and then determining it, what uh, series parallel combination you need to get the, that capacity. So. Cool. Well, that was a, a <laughs> lot of information that didn't even scratch the surface of batteries because there's too much to cover in one episode. So yeah. Do you guys have any uh, closing thoughts on batteries that you think is essential for, for people right now before we uh, get out of here and, and maybe post some, some episodes later on about I, I more about batteries. I would say as a closing thought, what I hear, what I've heard for the last seven years or so is people keep waiting for lithium to drop in price because it's, it's the, the easier, lighter weight technology or whatever, but it's expensive. As far as the market is concerned, I, I don't think that'll happen. I think another, another technology will probably take its place, probably saltwater batteries, maybe. Um, the, lithium is a very finite resource and, and it comes mostly out of Africa. I don't think that, it'll drop in price. So I, if I were to add a, a little bit of uh, extra information on it, I, I wouldn't say that, that people should continue to buy lead acid battery banks, hoping that lithium ends up in their, in their price point. That's, that's the last thing I would, I would say on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely going off grid is not the cheapest option um, for, mm-hmm. for living. Um, so I know a lot of people come, come into it and, and, and want to, they have like a, a an idea that they want to stick around $10,000 and, and run a whole household off of it. And it's not like a, a, a tiny house. It's a, you know, 2000 square foot home that they want to run AC and everything through. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely not the most, uh, not the cheapest thing in the option, but it's definitely something doable, obviously, because we, install them all the time here in Northern and, Arizona and not for $10,000. Ryan, any, any closing? Right. Yeah. Not for $10,000. I would just say that, um, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages to, you know, all of these different types of batteries. And, you know, a lot of people go in thinking they want a certain, certain type, you know, and I, I would say that would be, the way I would look at it is look at it, your specific situation and determine what is the best for you. And so a lot of people, you know, there's, there's different things that they have to have, like they don't want to have to put water in the batteries or whatever. So then that's going to lead you to a sealed battery. Um, but you know, things like that, you just have to look at the individual battery and, and its advantages and disadvantages. So, and yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you guys need help, 
kind of figuring out what is best for you, feel free to shoot us an email at offgridpros at gmail.com. So that's gonna that's gonna be it for this first ever episode of the Off Grid Pros podcast. We <laughs> freaking did it. So go team. So thanks so much for uh, all you guys that uh, have tuned in. Next next time we're going to be talking about uh, the basics of going solar. So kind of sizing a, a solar array to fit with these batteries that you've purchased. Hopefully you're doing it all, all at the same time. You're not just buying random equipment. Um, but we know sometimes you inherit things and you know, things happen. So we're going to be talking about the basics of solar. Um, make sure to... Uh, Follow us, you know, subscribe on, on any, any platform that's your favorite for listening to podcasts. Be sure to visit us at shopoffgrid.com to find uh, all your off-grid solar product needs. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, I think that's it. I don't think we're going to have any Pinterest or Twitter or anything. It's off-grid. <laughs> I think it's kind of solely... The, uh, maybe not even Instagram, but you know we're, we're gonna have we're it gonna just uh, just because. But we're actually, yeah we're we're gonna create a Snapchat filter that covers the United States. Costs ten thousand dollars a we're day. Gonna put it's gonna be worth it. Cat whiskers on batteries. That's what. We're <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'll be worth it. Uh, can't wait for that. Yeah. Also, in case you guys didn't know, probably because we didn't mention it, um, we're creating a YouTube channel as well. That YouTube channel is basically gonna cover basically how to use different solar equipment. So I'm sure at some point we're going to uh, rig up some batteries and, and show you how exactly it works. So you're not just, if you're more of a visual person, maybe you should go in and subscribe to that. All of our, uh, all of our social media platforms are going to be at off grid pros. So that's Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, everything is going to be just backslash off grid pros. Um, again, if you have any questions or have uh, episode suggestions feel free to shoot us an email at offgridpros at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we will catch you next time